Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Philadelphia-based jazz pianist Jessica Magooch. She reached out to the show and we had to know more about her and her new 2023 CD called Trivial Pursuit out on Friday, October 13th, 2023. It is a glam cocktail of retro swing and pop as a genre-bending masterpiece with influences of the likes of the great Nora Jones. As a self-proclaimed bad girl stuck in a good girl's body, she writes about life's conflicting moments, resisting the forbidden lover, an independent woman desperate for her partner's attention, a body positivity activist who cares about what other people think, staying committed to someone who doesn't love you anymore, being grounded, and wanting to escape. There's all kinds of threads that we pull on here. Enjoy this interview. Thank you so much for taking a minute out and reaching out. How did you find out yeah. about Neon Jazz? Um, let's see. I I did a big long search of okay. all the best jazz blogs. Okay. And you came up. I and love that's it. When I first found you. Yeah. It, and before we get into the new album, Trivia Pursuit, it is one of my favorite games of all time. And I <laughs> am I am born on October the thirteenth. And I think that's crazy. Yeah, this year I think it's Friday the thirteenth, which is actually the day that yep. I was born on. So I have no fear of Friday the thirteenth. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. So it's, it's all come full circle. Um, <laughs> so you know, let before we get into Trivia Pursuit and your your life and music, I wanna yeah. know how did you survive the last three years with COVID? How did you get through it? And how relieving is it to have material out now? Oh my gosh. Yes. So there were some artists that COVID hit and they were like, Oh, I finally get a time to create and like sit in my studio, but I'm a mom. So COVID for me was like survival mode. Um, I was working from home. I've always worked from home, but I was working from home and then the kids were working virtual. So there was just no time for music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a dead period for me, really. And it took a long time to like start getting, it wasn't until COVID was over that I actually started recording. So wow, it was, it was yeah, it wasn't like the artist retreat or like yeah. uh, renaissance that I, it could have been if I went back and did it differently. But. Well, I, and I understand that my, my day job is as an IT technician in a school district. So I worked, I, okay. I didn't get any time off. And I have a son on the autism spectrum and his two favorite things in the world are school and baseball. And it happened right there and they were gone. Right at that time. Yes. So you, you, I think more than anything else, when you're a parent, it's, there's so many things that get layered into your existence to get amped yeah. up when something like a global pandemic hits the planet. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side of that, like we, we did have a blast, you know, like, yeah. We were with each other all the time and there wasn't the stress of, of everyday schedules and all that. And so we really, really connected as a, a family unit during that time. So it was really special in that way. Yeah. And I did write a, uh, I did write a, uh, a blues song about COVID. It's called yeah. COVID-19 blues. And okay. it was, it's like the only, it's the first, only thing so far that's ever gone viral okay. <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, I wrote the COVID-19 blues and it was all, you know, it was it was it was like 2 weeks into COVID and I'm going like this is going to end soon and I didn't do anything to like contribute to, you know, yeah. the memories of it. 
let me get out a, a song. So we all recorded, we did a music video together. And then like COVID went on for another year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Just continued on and on and on. Well, let's talk about Trivia Pursuit. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about how you artistically put this together and just how it feels. Yeah, so Trivial Pursuit is interesting because it's my coming back to the music community. I literally took a 15-year hiatus. I When I was in my early 20s, I had a manager and I was starting the whole like Philly, New York circuit, um, did demo album, things like, things like that. And then music got away from me. So when I came back, a lot of the songs that I was writing, which they came like very quickly, we're kind of covering those last 10, 20 years of like things that I didn't get to say when I was younger that I wanted to say. Yeah. So many of them are from the perspective of either like me in high school, me in college, me figuring myself out in my twenties. Um, and then through today. So it covers a, a quite a span of time. So, so what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Well, I hope it's a bunch of things. One, I hope that they develop or continue to evolve their taste for jazz. Um, because, you know, we think of jazz as like just straight ahead jazz of like what you hear in an elevator. A lot of people think that that's, you know, what jazz is, but jazz, like any genre has to evolve. And, you know, people might not can, I'm definitely not straight jazz. It's Jeff definitely like a fusion, a retro swing slash pop. Um, but it's jazz nonetheless. Like it falls under that big umbrella. So that's one. I want them to go like, oh, this is jazz. I didn't know this was jazz too. And I like this. Um, the second is with the songs as an artist, there's this like, it's as difficult as it is for anybody else to be vulnerable and share your feelings and what's going on inside of you. But on the flip side, there's also like an obligation to do that. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like that yearning calling of like, not just writing music, but sharing it. So I hope that I can say things that maybe you couldn't say out loud or couldn't express to somebody else but you, then you can hear it or feel it in the songs and be like, oh, like that's how I feel or that's me. And then it becomes a bit, a bit of a uh, bit cathartic. You know, you he, music is healing, right? So yeah. it's like you, someone sings the song that, that could have come out of your own mouth and you go, oh my gosh, like, and then you actually have some healing going through listening to that song and, and feeling those feelings. So. That's a that's a, a second one, but third, and maybe it should be first, is to have fun. Yeah. Um, because uh, whether it's the time coming out of COVID or whatever, like most of my songs are upbeat, they're danceable songs, and I really think like life life is too short to um, be focusing on the negative, and uh, so so a lot of my songs though they're upbeat, they'll be taking like a really like my song, um, no one ever wrote a song about me. The way that started, I was literally at my piano and I realized that I like, that's my thing. I write music. So if it's someone's anniversary or birthday, like I write them a song. I've written everyone important to me a song. 
And I realized in one moment, like no one's ever written a song about me. <laughs> and, and I was really like, you know, you have those like pity, self-pity moments. I was really at this point of self-pity. I started writing this song and it turned into a blues song. But by the middle of it, it turned, it started to go more upbeat because I, I realized like I'm not the only one that hasn't had a song written about them. So this is not going to be a pity party for me. It's going to be a pity party for everyone who yep. hasn't, who doesn't feel like they've been important enough to have like a song or art written about them. So I can, I'll start, I can start out with something that is like, it could be really like depressing, but then I turn it into like, let's, let's look at the right side of this by the end of the song. So right on. <laughs> so how did this jazz journey begin for you? How did it all begin? How did you get into music and more specifically jazz? Um, so specifically jazz, my grandfather was a jazz singer in the thirties. He was an MC at the Sprocket Club in Brooklyn. And okay. I can't tell you like, no matter what happened in his life from there, on he always talked about the sprocket club and that's where he met my grandmother and she was the best lindy dancer in the town um and then he got drafted and went to war and then he came back and he did the family life and left his music career behind but always wanted to always wondered if he had a chance um and so he always made us listen to jazz when we were at his house in Queens and we only lived like 15 minutes away when I was younger. And so we'd go over and like, I'd have to leave like the hip hop behind. I still love hip hop. I mean, it's, <laughs> I still listen to that too. Uh, but he'd be like, get that off the radio. This is the real music like this. And he always made us promise, like keep the real, mu- keep the um, old timers. He would call it, keep the old timers music alive. Yeah. And so he had this little radio and he'd, he'd sit on his back porch, just sit by himself with a cigar, one of those plastic tip cigars. And I just see that smoke curling up and his legs crossed and all relaxed. And then this music with the like tinfoil on the antenna playing like Frank Sinatra and Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday. And it just like filled up the whole house. Um, so that's how I got into jazz and, and started singing, um, s- singing jazz. I, I also was like very involved. I went to musical theater. I majored in musical theater at NYU. I thought I wanted to be a musical theater actress. Um, but then realized that I really had my own stuff to say. I wasn't, I don't have so much the personality to be be someone else or like to fit what someone else wants to say. I, I had all my own stuff to say. So yeah. that's what got me starting writing. Um, but I've been playing piano since I'm four. My mom got a piano for Christmas and I don't think she's ever played it. She'll, she'll hate to hear that. I'm sure she'll listen to the, <laughs> the interview, but she's always, you know, she's, she's, I actually heard her plucking away at 75 years old that she started plucking away at her piano. But we got a piano and I like sat down there and I like did not get up for four years old. I would play like three, four hours a day. No problem. Come home from school, sit down at the piano. Mom would be like, please eat dinner, you know? So it's just how I, how I, it's so much a part of me and how I process the world. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first live jazz show you saw that blew you away? For, ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the, the, 
the one that blew me away, I got to see Aretha Franklin. Well, now she's, you know, soul. Yeah. We all got that. Um, she, I got to see Aretha Franklin at, um, the, oh, what was his? It, it's the, it's the one on, on 42nd Street in Times Square. What's that one? Old Jazz Club. Um, I got to see her like about 15 year, 15 or so years ago. Yeah. And I mean, can you compare? <laughs> because right. she was one of my idols. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got to see her and she realized like she wouldn't let them put air condition on. And it was like a, a week like this where it was like super hot summer. We were all sweating. But it was I mean, that club was only about 30, 40 tables or something. So it was this tiny club. And she just I was so I was so impressed by how much she gave to the audience in that two hours or whatever that she sang her heart out. And like, she didn't have to prove anything at that point in her you know, career, yeah. but she still just gave everything. And so I, I take that as an artist into my shows. Like, I'm just going to leave everything here and yeah. give, give you everything I've got. Not yeah. going to, you know, there's no point in holding back, but when you see that example from other people, you go, wow, that's why they're so special. I want to be like that. I always hear that about legends is that they, no matter what, there's an acumen, there's a, um, a drive that just, it, it's on. Like when they know they have to go out. I remember, uh, a local uh, musician, his name is Lonnie McFadden. He's a tap dancer, trumpeter. He has his own club. He's mm-hmm. wonderful. He's one of the most dynamic live performers I've ever, uh, seen in my life. And he yeah. was telling me a story where he used to go to Branson and that's kind of a resort town here south of Kansas City. Okay. And uh Wayne Newton had a had a residency there. And he said uh-huh. that Wayne was really sick, had the flu, but knew he had to perform and literally performed his guts out. And yeah. when he went backstage, they had a wheelchair waiting for him and an oxygen mask. They put him in and laid him on a bed and drove him off in an ambulance he literally put everything out there to do that show wow and i always remember that story because it's like it's akin to like even people that have toured with the stones they're like you don't understand these guys don't take anything lightly it's like it's a part of what they do and i'm sure aretha and all those legends are like that yeah and when when you get on stage or you're experiencing that in the audience, you might just be having fun. And so you think they're just having fun too. And it's all just fun. Uh And that's, you know, people think, you know, music life is, is that, but it's just what you, the part of it you get to see. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So who were early or, or seminal jazz influences on the way that you either listened or approached the instrument? So, um, when I was, like I said, when I was younger, all it, I would, I would say like most of my jazz background is the American, the standard American songbook. Um, and then I really cling to the female voices. So the Billie Holidays, the Ella Fitzgeralds. Um, and I'm sorry, who are you hearing that clicking? You probably are. Um, huh. and, and then even evolving like Nora Jones too, I feel like has had a huge influence on me being that I could actually relate to her. We were, we're about the same age. So like in her twenties or she was killing it and I was like listening um, to her. And so 
when it comes to piano, like I'm not the best like piano jazz improvisationalist. I'm more, um, uh, I'm more, I'm stronger. I feel like on my vocals. So I'll, even with all those years of piano, <laughs> piano playing, sure. uh, the first time I played jazz wasn't until high school jazz band where they just didn't have anybody to play. So I played, but there wasn't much improvisation there. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if that helps, if yeah. people have said to me, when you play, I hear your voice. So I'm like very much influenced by like the vocal aspect of, of that would, that's why I say it's my primary in- instrument. Cause whether I'm playing trumpet or piano, it's people have said like, it sounds like you're singing it. Um, so maybe that's my biggest influence. It, it could be the Chet Baker principle. Everybody thinks that he's the trumpeter, but he actually had that voice that really everybody remembers. Ah. Oh. You know? Yeah. Kind of that idea. Yeah, so, like that. so let me ask you this. Um, of all of the angles and aspects that go into being a professional musician, from live performance to recording to promoting, everything in between, yeah. what is it that you look forward to the most every day? What is it that drives you as a musician? Oh. Well, I think... The highlights are always when I get to perform in front of people, real people, not on a computer. Right, right, right. <laughs> because that is like the total opposite experience when you're trying to do like a, a live online and it's, you know, crickets and people are just typing yeah. stuff. Um, but having that, ex- that, that, nothing beats that. I mean, there's just, that's, that's number one. Number two is I just started mixing and producing my own music. So part of this whole musical recording journey was I knew I didn't know anything about music production and I was going into studios and I couldn't communicate what I wanted. So um, I decided, you know, I'm going to take like a, I got to take a course. I got to learn. I've got to learn this. I knew music theory, but like recording stuff. I didn't know any of that language. So I took a course and I started, you know, I did like a sample song in that course and realize, and then realized like, oh, I can do this on my own. Like I, I, I thought I was just going to learn the language, but now I actually have this skill and I can, commu- I can communicate to the world what's in my head because now I have like the, the language and the skills to do it. So the, what ignites me is when I'm the comp- when I'm behind the computer and I'm playing around with things. I just love when I make mistakes and then they sound awesome. <laughs> that's that's just like I don't know what is that like creative, like you know, energy coming coming to save the day. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. This was gonna be so cool, but then it, it, so um so I. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Pop up about my mic. Does it sound okay? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah good. So, yeah. So I'd say that. I mean, nothing beats live, but then like those, those little moments of like just finding, ooh, like that, ooh, that feeling you get even just from your own music, you know, yeah. like, like, ooh, I got chills and like, I wrote that. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, so that's really that's really gratifying. And then the it, the inspiration of a song. 
Yeah. So like songs, they kind of come when you least expect it. And like, you kind of just have to ride that, um, ride the wave of them and just trust that what wants to come through at that time needs to come through. So sitting at my piano and writing and just like, it's like a spiritual experience for me because I know it's not really coming from me. It's my words, but it's, it's, it's definitely not all coming from me. (laughs) It's definitely like, I'm not thinking about it. It's, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I just trust that it's like the song wants to write itself. It just needs someone to write it for them. And that, so I take that like very seriously that, you know, this song came to me and like, I, I, uh, I got to, you know, share it in some way. Sure. Some reason that I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the mystery (laughs) of the process. So why do you love jazz? I love jazz because of the improvisational nature of it. So when I, when we perform live, and of course, mostly when I am songwriting, it's, it's all from improvisation. So I was saying that spiritual experience, initially, it's some kind of improvisation. And then, you know, when you record something, you have to kind of decide what it's actually going to be for the world. But when we perform live, I make sure every musician gets a chance to solo like every single song. So like usually the songs are like 15, 20 minutes long because um, you never know what's going to come out of that. That's the most, that's the most exciting part to me. I relate that to life. I, I feel like it's the closest thing to how I like to live. My life is very much like in the moment, kind of try trying to be just like so connected that you can, um, you really can experience life, um, whatever it might give to you, uh, in that moment. And then like bounce off of that. And, and even with other people, it's like, what, where are we at? Like what let's improv, let's improvise in this moment. And, um, and that's that to me, there's something just like really special about that. I, I didn't realize that that was really what made jazz unique until um, the Philadelphia Music Awards. So um, I competed in that and we won. And I was, I frankly was surprised because the other bands were very like really great jazz musicians. Like they went to all the, the, the music schools around Philadelphia and they were very, very talented musicians. And I asked the judge, I'm like, all right, like, why did you pick us? We were, were so different um and he said you know jazz is all about improvisation and we were the only group that like brought a lot of improvisation into the show and so i was like oh that's how he defined jazz um plus i really like the swing rhythm i just just does something for me um i don't know what it is just makes me happy yeah. I think we need more of that in our lives. <laughs> uh-huh. That's the feeling of jazz. Let me ask you this. If we get off the phone, a jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house. You get in, you punch in the digits. You can go anywhere. Who are you going to see? Where are you going? I'm going to go see Billie Holiday. Oh, no. Well, hmm. yeah, that's a hard one. You're making me p- pick one. Yeah. I would do, I would do Billie Holiday. Okay. Because first of all, like every, 
every great jazz artist will always say she's one of their inspirations. So I could choose, you know, all roads lead back. And I remember seeing an interview with her where when she first started hitting the jazz clubs, she was like ridiculed because they said she sang too slow. Like she would just take a song and then just drag it out in her. And that is her signature style. Yeah. And I love that she didn't conform to what they wanted or what they thought the song should be, but she brought what she, you know, what she wanted, how she wanted to express that song. So yeah, I, she's probably got a lot of stories. I would love to, I would love to know what happened behind the scenes back then. Yeah, they 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 said that her and Lester were pretty. They were thick as thieves, and she was just one of the one of the guys. And she had a sailor mouth. Like they said, there was no <laughs> one that could cuss like Billie Holiday. She oh, could, okay. She could let it go. So, yeah. but she couldn't be that on stage. Like right. she had to be what, yeah, what was acceptable. Yeah, and the whole like racial, like you know, the whole, all the, the, that story behind it too, where like yep. you're being revered, but you're also being like disrespected behind the scenes so much. I think like, she's just gotta be so strong. It's it, it was the plight of, of the, the minority at that point, you're revered and reviled at the same time. And it's such mm. a strange juxtaposition catch 22, however you want to characterize it. Yeah. The way they had to live their lives, which the only antidote to that was the ones that actually went to Denmark or got out of America and went mm. to Paris. They got to feel like a level of freedom and relief, mm-hmm. which the number one answer for everybody, most yeah. everybody that ever answers why they love jazz is freedom and to inherently be a part of something that gets taken away because the country and the circumstances you're in just doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. um, so let me ask you yeah. this. Everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but ultimately you run the id ego, super ego. What's your perce- <laughs> what is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I have said it before. I think it describes me well. I'm a, I'm a bad girl stuck in a good girl's body. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, so I'll, who, who do I think I am? So my music and who I am, like it's, it's this conflict. Like it's a contradiction. I am a contradiction. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, but I'm a contradiction of like what I want versus what I do what I, I would, my dreams are versus what I think is like acceptable or being, making responsible decisions. Um, so I, I, that's, that's where my music, I get to be that other person that I'm not in my everyday, very responsible life. You know, I'm a sales trainer during the day in corporate world and I'm a mom. And, um, and so I make responsible good decisions all day long, all my life. And, but that, but there's always, there's still that part of me that's like, I don't know, is this who really who I am? So in music, I get to explore that. So it's like the eighties movie thing where you have the angel and the devil and they have to figure (laughs) out what, what, what's going to work and how it's going to work. You know, we're, we're yeah. Yeah. So if anyone out there wants to pick up Trivia Pursuit, learn about you, anything about previous work, shows, anything about your world, where do they go? 
everything is at jessicamagooch.com. And that's Magooch is one O. So uh, M-A-G-O-C-H. Okay. Com. Excellent. Well, Everything's there. You can connect with me. Instagram's kind of where I hang out most of my days. Um, the album will be released on all streaming platforms. On October thirteenth, your birthday. Yes. Um. <laughs> you know, you know whose birthday it is. Famous jazz musician, and I real I found out about this is the great vibraphonist Terry Gibbs. Well, He's look at ninety nine this year. Wow! And and That's I just stories, I'm sure. Oh man, he. <laughs> the first time that we ever were going to contemplate talking, he was like. Joe, you got to get my book. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to go through all of this until you read my bio. And man, he hung out with Charlie Parker. And I mean, he was with all of them. Like, yeah. I mean, his, I mean, he toured with, um, Benny Goodman. He listened to all the bandmates when they yeah. were with Buddy Rich. Yeah. And I guess somehow got pot into his cigarettes and got him stoned and when he realized <laughs> he was stoned because all the guys were like "Buddy's yeah. great now we're all getting along really good when buddy realized that his stuff was getting spiked he threw him out in the middle of the desert and drove off <laughs> he just was like yeah oh my gosh like, so anyway i, I don't want to go on a tangent but anyway so the great terry gibbs so the album comes out on october 13th and yeah. any anything else related to your world would be on your website everything's there okay yeah Wonderful. yeah you can get in touch with me through there as well and i really appreciate you having me today as yeah. an independent artist we have to take every opportunity we can to get the word out yeah no and i think it's great there's so many voices and flavors out there so um does it feel really relieving to come back after 15 years after the hiatus yeah i mean i i i don't think I would have survived any longer without, it was almost one of those things like either you're going to die or you're going to do this. Right. I mean, I had like chronic illness and all this. And like looking back, I realized that it was because I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't being my true self. Like I wasn't following that voice that was telling me where it wanted me to go and resisting it for so many years and so now it's like they just feel alive again you know excellent that's wonderful well jessica thank you so much for reaching out thank you for sharing the music i look forward to getting it on the show and best of luck with everything thank you yeah. have a great day Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Philadelphia, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Jessica for her time, energy, and story. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Forever. Neon Jazz.